Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. We made it. Happy Friday. Welcome into the Bill Shank Show. Russ Brown in for Bill this afternoon talking sports with you. And a jam-packed Friday show, a ton of stuff to get to. And um, we're going to throw a little theme question out there today as well, but we'll save that for just a little bit later. We've got the big three, football, baseball, basketball. That's what we talk about here on the program. And uh, a lot to cover here on this Friday. Thankfully, the weather is clearing up, and we should have a nice, at least Saturday, maybe a little bit wet on Sunday uh, which has already started to impact some of the college games around the country. So we'll tell you about that as well. We start with the big news of the day, and that is that the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, uh, Athletic Director Jay Bad announcing that they have fired Josh Passner after seven seasons as the head coach at Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets this season were 15 and 18 overall under Josh Passner. Of course, they had that long losing streak. In the middle of the season, uh, they were able to turn it around uh, down the stretch, but it just wasn't enough in the end for Josh to save his job. His overall record with Georgia Tech, and and I think, you know, as we go along here, this is something that's going to get pointed out a lot. In seven seasons was 109 and 114, so a sub-500 record in seven years. They had the one NCAA tournament appearance, that was in the 2021 season when they won the ACC tournament. Uh, other than that, uh, he had a winning season in his first year. He had a winning season 1920. Uh, also, 2021 has not had a winning winning season since. So Josh Pastner out as the head coach at Georgia Tech, and you know it'll be interesting to see where the Yellow Jackets turn to now. Uh, what names emerge in this search? Uh, that I have got an indication that this will probably move fairly swiftly. Uh, it, it, it almost sounded like, and I'm just kind of reading between the lines, reading the tea leaves sort of a thing here, but it almost sounds like this decision may have been made a, a while back. And, you know, and we wondered again down the stretch, were, was he saving his job? And we'll always wonder, you know, if they had rallied and won the ACC tournament, which, again, you have to win five games in five days. It's almost impossible now uh, in any of these tournaments if you're playing on the first day to win it uh, when, when you have to win five basketball games in five days. But was that going to be enough to save his job? Um, obviously, that didn't happen. So they've made the decision to move on. And, you know, Jay Bat, the new athletic director, took over in October – and I mean, wow! What a what a what a crazy first few months it's been. Um, obviously, the decision to let go of Jeff Collins was made. Now the decision to let go of your men's basketball coach has been made. So Georgia Tech will start the twenty two twenty three campaign uh, with a new head football coach and a new men's basketball coach. Uh, the, the two of the biggest jobs on re- any college campus, really. And uh, Jay Bat will uh, he already has Brent Key in place, obviously, as the new head football coach, and now he'll turn to basketball. You know, trying to guess at it a little bit and and think of who some of the candidates could be here. You know, if you go back in, in Jay Bat's history, he's got a time at East Carolina. I don't know if you know he may be tied to a coach that was at East Carolina in that time frame. Of course, he came from Alabama, um, so was there somebody that he 
you know, new or maybe on NATO's staff or maybe with the previous staff. Uh, you know, you don't ever know that. And then also you have to keep in mind the guy's basketball coach Rolodex, which nobody has a Rolodex anymore. I don't know why I said that. But uh, but the, 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 the list of names he has compiled and the connections that he has in the basketball world are probably going to be pretty good uh, considering he graduated from North Carolina. Uh, he wasn't a basketball player there, but still, um, I, I would assume he's got a lot of contacts there at North Carolina and in turn would have a lot of co- contacts uh, in the college basketball world. And, you know, it was just uh, reading up on Josh Pastor and kind of reflecting on the tenure there. And I had forgotten this because, you know, seven years doesn't seem like that long ago, but he was actually hired in April of 2016 by Mike Babinski. So, you know, you really start to see some of the upheaval and turnover that you've had in this Georgia Tech athletic program, really, ever since Dan Radakovich left. Um, you know, Mike Babinski had the nickname of Sasquatch because nobody ever saw him around the office. They'd only heard about him. Don't know how true that was. And then, of course, Todd Stansberry comes in, and it looked like a home run hire, and it just wasn't. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it, that just didn't work out, and so now Georgia Tech on to a third athletic director who's making some really big hires here. And I think for the Georgia Tech fan base, what you have to hope with Brent Key and whoever the new basketball coach is going to be, that this program, this athletic department in general, just needs some stability. Uh, you know, it, it, there, you're in a tight spot already um, from a financial standpoint compared to the peers in your conference. We've talked about conference expansion in the ACC and the grant of rights and everything that comes along with that from a conference standpoint. You know, so if, if, you're in a, if you're kind of at the bottom rung of a conference from a financial standpoint, that if they don't get something figured out here within the next two or three years could be in some real financial trouble, you know, that, that doesn't bode well for the future. And so what you have to hope if you're a Georgia Tech fan is that this athletic director is the right guy and he's found the right guy to be, lead the football program and he's going to find the right guy now to lead the basketball program and, and bring some stability into this athletic department. And, and pardon the pun, but get the buzz back. You know, uh, Steve Norris has sat in with me the last couple of days on the midday show, and, and he said something. And Steve's a Georgia fan, but he talked about, you know, the, you know we remember the Bobby Crimmins era, and they had some success with Paul Hewitt, played for a national championship under him. You know, Georgia Tech basketball used to be a draw. It used to be a big deal. Uh, in this state, and it's just not anymore, and it hasn't been for a very long time. Uh, I mean, you, you go back the history of this program, um, it, the, the last, I mean, it's all really almost, you want to say a, the decade. It just hasn't, it hasn't been good uh, for Georgia Tech. And I don't know, you know, in, in this day and age, how do you get it back on track? I mean, the, the, the landscape in college basketball, we talk about the changes in football all the time, and believe me, they're there. But I think name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal have a bigger impact on, on college basketball. And look how different college basketball is today. I mean, look at these tournaments around the country and compare it to, you know, who, who, was the, who were the top teams 10 years ago? You know, those teams, North Carolina's a bubble team. Kentucky's a bubble team. You know, and, and you've got Alabama in the top five. So, you know, we can look back at the history of this Georgia Tech program and think, well, how can you restore it? And then you start to wonder, well, can you restore it? Because it's not, you know, you, you go back to the Bobby Crimmins era. His last season at Georgia Tech was the 99-2000 season. That was 23 years ago. 
the game's changed since then. Paul Hewitt, his last year was uh, 2010, 2011. That was 12 years ago. Um, and, you know, it's a different game now. And you've so since Brian Gregory took over, which would have been the 2011-2012 season, this program's only been to the NCAA tournament one time. Uh, the last time they went to the tournament before the 2021 season was 9 10 so that's, you know, that's one tournament appearance from the 2010 until now. 13 seasons. They've been to the NCAA tournament once. It's just not the same program. So whoever the Yellow Jackets decide to bring in is, is I mean, you've got all the things we talk about. You're in Atlanta. There's a ton of athletes here in the state of Georgia. We've talked about this with Georgia and Georgia Tech. Finding a way to keep the top talent home. Two McDonald's All-Americans in the state this year. One's going to UConn and one's headed out west. How do you keep the top talent in state? And it only takes, you know, one or two guys. Uh, you get the right one or two guys out of the portal and you're off and running. And speaking of which, obviously now with the coaching change, you'll have to keep an eye on the roster and how many of these guys that are on the current team that were thinking about coming back and change their mind and, and maybe hit the portal and try to go somewhere else. So Josh Pastner out after seven years as the head coach at Georgia Tech. While we're talking about the Yellow Jackets, other Georgia Tech news, uh, the spring practice times have been announced. Uh, the Jackets will start spring practice next Tuesday. They'll practice three times, then they'll hit a, a, a break for spring practice and then come back uh, and, and basically have, uh, up until the spring game, a mon Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule. Uh, the spring game will be on April the 15th, uh, along with um, uh, pretty much uh, everybody else in the southeast uh, the SEC schools and the Southern ACC schools, I think, except for Florida, who's going to do theirs on Thursday for some strange reason. I think all of those schools are going to – most of those schools will have their spring games on the 15th. And, by the way, Georgia Southerns will be on the next Saturday, on the 22nd. The Eagles start spring practice on the 21st. Uh, Georgia Tech's Pro Day will be next Thursday. Uh, and, really, the, the biggest name there, obviously, is going to be Keon White, who has been mocked to some uh, first-rounds. I've seen him in the second round in other places, uh, but Malachi Carter, Ayinde Ile, Charlie Thomas, Hassan Hall, EJ Jenkins, and William Lay will also work out for the Yellow Jackets. You mentioned Georgia Southern and the uh, spring game. Some tough news today for the Eagles as the San Diego Chargers have hired Will Harris away to be the defensive backs coach. Will Harris, uh, we have to now say former Georgia Southern defensive coordinator, uh, came to the Eagles with Clay Helton. He had been the defensive backs coach at the University of Washington. He played for Pete Carroll at USC uh, in that in his defensive backfield. And uh, Coach Harris's first year as a coordinator was last season with the Eagles. Now, look, uh, there's no sugarcoating the, the rankings. Uh, the, in terms of total yards, they were 129th out of 131, 125th in yards per play, and 112th in points per game. And I've already seen some reaction on social media you know, that this isn't breaking anybody's heart. And, look, the defense had moments last year where they really struggled. I, again, this isn't anything that can be sugarcoated. I just gave you the numbers. They are what they are. But I'm just telling you, man, it's, you could see the in-game adjustments. You could see the plan that was in place. You just wonder, you know, if Coach Harris had been here another season or two and had some time to bring in – more of the types of players that he's looking for through the portal, what kind of an improvement uh, could be made there. Now, as far as w where you go from here, again, 
spring practice for the Eagles starts in 11 days. So, <laughs> I mean, will they have a coordinator in place by the time they get to spring practice? Obviously, this is a very difficult time to lose a head coach. And, you know, we've talked about this. We saw it with Alabama and Florida a couple weeks ago. The NFL schedule has been backed up into February now with the Super Bowl. And so, you know, these coaching changes continue to happen. And what's interesting I uh, was reading about this from the, the San Diego side of it. Um, there's a website, boltsfromtheblue.com, uh, which is the SB Nation site for the Los Angeles Chargers. And they thought that the staff in San Diego was complete. Um, so this kind of surprised them a little bit as well, uh, that they would bring in Will Harris to be the defensive backs coach. And basically, uh, they've got two defensive backs coach, two defensive back coaches now they just have different titles. Tommy Donatell uh, was promoted to passing game coordinator slash secondary coach. So they've got a secondary coach and a defensive back coach now, which is, is, is kind of a strange thing. But, you know, as the article pointed out, there's really no cap on coaching in the NFL. And, and so this is something that that Chargers staff thought they would need. And um, Coach Harris is headed back to the West Coast to coach the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, baseball note, uh, plenty of action on the diamond this weekend. There has been a time change for the Georgia game tomorrow. Now, today's game, obviously it's been raining across most of the state today. It's been a soggy, soggy day. Thankfully, the rain has slowed down, and these clouds are supposed to be moving out of here, hopefully before the sun goes down. Uh, but the game tonight is on for five o'clock as scheduled and for the stations in Macon, Savannah, uh, Warner Robins, our, our Georgia affiliates will have that for you following this broadcast. Tomorrow's game against Charleston Southern will now be a double header. Uh, there's some rain. I looked at the forecast. They're expecting rain in the Athens area on Sunday. So therefore they're going to play two games tomorrow. Uh, and so what we're going to do, the first game will start at two o'clock so we'll join that in progress after the Braves game tomorrow and carry both of those games for our Georgia affiliates. And that will run into the uh, Hawks game tomorrow night. Uh, for everybody else, we'll get the Braves and, and then the Hawks, which the Hawks start tomorrow at uh, 7 o'clock pregame, 7.30 tip for them tomorrow. So a doubleheader tomorrow for UGA as they host Charleston Southern. Tonight's game will be on as uh, previously scheduled. Georgia 10-3 and on the season. Obviously, they had a big series win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets last weekend. We'll have Anthony Dasher on with us coming up in the next segment. We'll get his thoughts on the start that this Georgia baseball team is off to. But, uh, yeah, it's looking like they could have a pretty good season. Now, conference play starts next week, and as you know, in the SEC, it's it's tough, man. I mean, really, if you go 500 in that conference, you're, you're a lock for the um, college baseball playoffs. Uh, so, it, you know, that's going to be a challenge, and we'll see how the Bulldogs do once they get into conference play. You know, the big – hype team coming into the college baseball season this year was LSU, the LSU Tigers. And it's still early in the season. Most of these teams have played, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13 games. Uh, but LSU looks like the real deal so far. So that they're going to be the team to beat, I think, this year in the SEC. I think Tennessee's still going to be tough. And it's just – it's the deepest league in, in college baseball. We know that. So uh, it's really going to get cranked up for the Bulldogs next weekend. Georgia Tech opens conference play this week. Uh, they'll take on Notre Dame for three this weekend as the Fighting Irish are in town to kick off their season. 
the uh, Yellow Jackets 11-2 and so far on the season. Of course, went into that matchup against Georgia last weekend undefeated. Lost the first two in the series, but were able to salvage game three. Uh, so Danny Hall's squad off to a good start as well at 11-2. and uh, Time change for Georgia Southern as well. They welcome Rutgers to town this weekend. Uh, the game today, has the start time has been pushed back to 7.30. So the Eagles and the Scarlet Knights will get it going from Jack Clements tonight at 7.30. Uh, Georgia Southern 7-6 and six to start the season. And uh, they, too, will open up conference play next week in the Sun Belt. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk some Georgia athletics with Anthony Dasher, get his thoughts on the baseball team so far, maybe a little recruiting talk, and, of course, spring practice starts next week. And uh, the the quarterback conversation for the 2023 season for the Bulldogs will begin. So we'll take a break, come back. Anthony Dasher, that and more as we continue on the Bill Shank Show right after this. (laughs) 21 after the hour. Welcome back into the Bill Shank Show. Russ Brown in for... Bill this afternoon, and we're talking a little UGA athletics. Anthony Dasher from UGAsports.com joining us on the line. Good afternoon, Dash. How you doing? Hey, Russ. Doing great, man. I always appreciate the time and, and the insight as well. So uh, uh, we noted the time change for the series uh, with uh, Georgia baseball coming up this weekend as uh, coming off a big series win over Georgia Tech last weekend. Uh, what would you think about their play in that series against the Yellow Jackets? Uh, I play is uh has picked up of late. Um, um, the thing we kind of talked about you know early in the season with Bill was just the uh, the bats. I mean, uh, Georgia is uh put some damage right now. I mean, Charlie Condon is uh if we go and play today actually is, is uh leads the the country not just the SEC but the country in RBIs twenty nine hitting uh hitting uh four ninety right now with six home runs. So he's got out to an excellent start. Um, pitching is starting to come around a little bit, especially the starting pitching. I mean, Jaden Woods from uh, over Houston County and Liam Sullivan uh, have uh, you know firmly established as the Friday and Saturday guys, and and uh, and that's going to be the key. I think Georgia offensively is going to be a pretty good team this year. But it's a matter if they get the pitching consistency that they're going to need, you know, to have these bats have a you know full effect and win some ball games. Dash, who are some of the candidates to be that third guy on Sunday? Well, right now it's still Nolan Crisp. Uh, you know, he's been around a while. He transferred from Florida two years ago, but again, he just hasn't, uh, you know, been able to work too deep in the games yet. I think he's going to the fourth inning. I think once this year, and that's going to be the the big uh, deal for him. Again, if he can get that kind of sorted out, I think he'll be all right. I mean, he has had some success, in, you know, over the past two seasons, but he just got to get some length worked out right now. And uh, and then conference play that 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 kicks off next week, right? That takes weeks. South Carolina comes to town for three games, and uh, it's uh, what ten weeks of just uh, killer baseball to that. Because you know, we talk about all the time the SEC. Everybody <laughs> thinks it's, it's tough for football. Baseball is probably be twice as much. Oh yeah, I tell people all the time. You think the SEC is dominant in football? I mean, the baseball. It's it's. I mean, it's almost like if if you go five hundred in the regular season in the SEC, you're going to probably be in the top twenty five, right? Yeah, you will, and you'll get a, and you'll get a bit to the to the, to the tournament as well if you finish it. You know, you win win half of your your conference games. They play thirty every year, and that uh, that's a pretty good sign. And, and last year, Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss finished fifth in the SEC West last year and wound up winning the whole thing. So that just kind of shows how tough the conference is. Wow, that's incredible. Anthony Dasher with the UGA Sports joining us here on the line. Well, Dash, I know the recruiting cycle seems like it's it's nonstop now, three hundred sixty five days a year, and 
you know, you're kind of on to the 2024 class now. Uh, who are some of the names that, that Georgia fans should keep an eye on as spring football practice approaches? Well, I'll be honest, man. I'm, but recruiting is not really my forte, so yeah. I can tell you a few, a few names just real quick. Just give me a, me one quick second. You know, it's, it's uh, they've already got what what ten or eleven commitments mm-hmm. uh, right now. But um, um, actually, actually, Jed May. I can encourage people to look at our site right now. Jed May, uh, recruiting, uh, you know, editor is uh, they got a story right now on names to look for. But the big name right now that everybody's kind of waiting on is uh, is quarterback, you know, Dylan Rayola. He was, uh, you know, committed to Ohio State uh, for a while, but now he backed off and now it's now between Georgia and uh, Nebraska, where his dad coached. His dad was a longtime NFL player, played with Matt Stafford in Detroit and, uh, and USC uh, for Lincoln Raleigh. Those are the, throw, the three schools after him. That's, and he's kind of a, the, the linchpin in this whole thing. Georgia had a very good class right now, you know, committed, but uh, there's some, still some very big names out there. And Dylan, you know, Dylan tops the list, but there's some other guys out there as well that they're looking at. And, and and I mean quarterback, right? They they have to be able to sign a quarterback in this twenty twenty four class. Uh, no no doubt about it. I mean they they have got to have got what the three guys right now and you know, and barring any kind of transfer or anything like that, you know, they're gonna even if even one doesn't doesn't leave, they're gonna definitely sign sign one next next class. Good stuff. Anthony Dasher joining us here on the program. Well spring practice of course is is right around the corner and uh, obviously the quarterback battle is, is one that's gonna be talked about. Um, how would you handicap that right now, Dash? Is it is it pretty even for all three going in, or is there maybe a front runner? Well, I think probably Carson Beck is the name. I think that uh, is probably the leader in, in the clubhouse. But uh, you know, with Mike Bobo taking over as offensive coordinator, that kind of I think opens things up maybe just a little bit more between with you know Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, who uh, you know I, we we know that Coach Bobo is very high on. So I actually think it's, it's going to be a competition this year, unless unlike. Uh, past season where that's been the the word competition we all but we all always knew who the quarterback was going to be this year i think it's uh it's definitely wide open and that's going to be the one position to to watch no no doubt about it but there are some other spots too uh, that's going to have to be uh, decided or at least start to be decided anyway with spring practice yeah what what would be some of the uh, obviously quarterback's going to get most of the attention right. but what are some other position battles you're looking at well, left tackle is going to be one too. I mean, Ernest Green Jr. is a redshirt freshman, but you know Austin Blasky has been around for the program now for going on four years. Is I think is going to you know keep, kind of keep an eye on him when it comes to that left tackle spot too, especially with Ernest you know coming back off of an injury from last year. And uh, and of course, it, uh, on the defensive side, they've got to find a replacement for Christopher Smith at safety. You know, Kelly Ringo has moved on, so there's some spots. There's those two spots there would be uh, you know up for grabs. Uh, you know, and also up on the you know, at, at linebacker, at linebacker, outside linebacker, Dunn Smith, you know, moving on. You know, uh, Robert Bill Jr., you know, moving on. Those would be two positions, too, that uh, the competition will be pretty quick to see who winds up in those spots. Uh, I know a lot of folks are looking forward to it, and, of course, the spring game will be on April the 15th. Uh, Dash, before we let you go, just uh, mm-hmm. the, the basketball season more than likely came to an end uh, earlier oh, yeah. this week uh, with the loss to LSU. But what did you think about Mike White and the job he did in year one? Well, you know, they started off, you know, playing pretty well, but then the once they got the conference play, it kind of, you know, didn't go so well. Lost the last six ball games. Uh, defensively, the team just, just had a complete drop off, and that was a, you know, going to the season. Coach White talked that ha- that happened to be the forte for this for this squad, but it never did really kind of kind of panned out. They had some shooting woes that only added to the frustration, I guess. But you know. Moving forward, and they're going to probably have to replace uh, in those six guys or so as far as the transfer portal is concerned. And that's going to be the thing to watch now with the portal opening back up on Monday. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. And you know, I, I know that the Stegman Coliseum is is closed down for for the next couple mm-hmm. of months. Could that have an effect on on basketball recruiting? Uh, well, it doesn't help. But you know, like Coach White said, though, you know, in the year he's been here, they've not lost a, a player yet uh, due to Stegman Coliseum. So I don't think it's going to have a huge effect. But I, I, I'm I'm sure uh, he would much rather be open right now, at least for him to be able to kind of show the kids around. But that is going to be something to kind of watch, though, kind of what happens with Stegman as we move forward. Yeah, and and I, this is a dash a total hypothetical here, but but yeah. if they were to to make a decision to to tear it down and maybe start over, is there anywhere the teams could play, uh, anywhere else they could play while that was being done? Well, they would go to Duluth and play at the uh, facility there. What used to be the Gwinnett, so I can't remember what it's called right now, but uh, that's where you know I know the gymnastics meet. Uh, they had to move it, move that over there uh, this past past weekend, and so that would probably I would guess it would go to go to Gwinnett and play for a year or two if that were to take place. There you go. Good stuff. Well, hey, Dash, we always appreciate the time. Enjoy the baseball this weekend, and we'll catch up yep. with you next Friday. Hey, we'll see you. All right, that's Anthony Dasher with uh, UGASports.com talking a little bit about everything. You know, the the basketball recruiting period uh, that, that is open in April and May, That it's going to be a little bit tricky uh, for the Georgia basketball program. Uh, and, and Dash referenced something Mike White said. He's, he's never lost a commitment in the year that he's been there because of Stegman Coliseum, but not having that facility to be able to show uh, potential players around, it could get a little bit tricky. So we'll see how they kind of navigate those waters uh, moving forward. I mentioned spring practice gets underway for the Bulldogs next week. And uh, look, the quarterback competition is going to be the biggest uh, thing we talk about and daily reports, who's going to be the replacement for Stetson Bennett. It's a it's a big deal. It's a really big deal because you've got a team, obviously, that's won the back-to-back national championships, and there's a good feeling around this bunch that they could do it again a third time. The last time a team won three in a row was Minnesota back in the 30s, so almost uh, 100 years ago. Uh, but obviously, who's going to be the quarterback is going to be a big question there. Dash reference, Mike Bobo, he steps in now as the offensive coordinator with Todd Munkin off to Baltimore. And uh, and look, we, we talked about this when Coach Bobo was hired. I know that there are a lot of people that just that get a, <laughs> a little cringy when you say that name. He did a tremendous job the first time he was there. Uh, the talent that he's going to have to work with is, I think it's better than what he had when he was there the previous time. Now, he got to work with some really talented quarterbacks, and some really talented running backs. There's no question. There were some talented offensive linemen, but now there's more of them. Uh, you you got a Brock Bowers to work with, a talented group of wide receivers, especially with Ra Ra Thomas and a couple other guys that have transferred in. So all the pieces of the puzzle are there for this Georgia football program. And then on the defensive side, you saw the amount of talent they lost from the 21 season to the 2022 season, and they still had one of the top defenses in the country, to no one's surprise, last season. Um, later on, Stuart Mandel with The Athletic put out a ranking. He does this every year of the top coaches in college football. And uh, just a quick preview of that, if you will. He had Kirby Smart number two on the list. Last year, Kirby was third on the list behind Dabo Sweeney. Those two have flipped spots. Kirby up to number two and Dabo Sweeney up to number three, or I should say down to number three. Uh, Nick Saban no surprise, the number one coach in college football. And I think my own personal opinion is that Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. 
you start with the championships. He's won at the University of Alabama. But I think, you know, it's hard to compare eras. And I know you can it can get to be a little bit of a slippery slope when you start to do that. But I think it is much more difficult in 2023 to win college football games than it was you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Uh, the number one thing to me is the scholarship limit. Uh, the, you know, they, they capped it at 85. Gosh, I can't remember exactly when, but it's been – in my lifetime, within the last uh, two or three decades, they capped it at 85 because before then, you know, teams would, would stockpile talent. And you, I, think, I think the old number, I want to say, was 125. So that was 40 more guys you could bring in. And obviously, if those guys are under scholarship at your school wearing your uniform, they can't wear somebody else's uniform. So the talent gets spread out a lot more in this day and age. Um, I mean, even now, the, the most recent changes, NIL and Transfer Portal – uh, make it more challenging. And then the other thing, I just I think there's a lot more football players out there. Uh, you know, when Bear Bryant was getting it done at Alabama in his time, football wasn't the most popular sport. You know, you, st- you had a lot of guys play football, but, you know, most everybody played baseball. It seems like now, I mean, there's just talent all over the place. I mean, you look at, at the state of Georgia alone, pumping out, you know, 1,200 or so kids signing D1 offers just about every year. And so I just think the talent is more spread out. I think there's more talent. Um, you know, there, there's a lot more f- it, it, film study. Uh, just It's just the, the sport has evolved and grown to a level that makes it very difficult to win. All of that being said, if the University of Georgia wins a third consecutive national championship, I think it would shoot Kirby Smart right to the top. Which, for somebody, look, he, he's been a head coach at Georgia since 2016. It was his first head coaching job. Okay, this, this declaration would be made eight years later. But if you win three national championships in a row, and especially having to go through Alabama to get it, right, Probably going to have to do that again next year. Maybe it's LSU again. I don't know. We'll see. But we know that road through the SEC title game in Atlanta is going to be tough. (laughs) I don't know who's coming out of the West, but it ain't going to be easy. All right? And then you have to turn around and go through a playoff now where you're going to be playing some of the top teams, in theory, if you win it, obviously, two teams, two of the top teams from around the country. Maybe it's a rematch like it was in 2022. But whatever the case may be, that's a lot to navigate. That's hard, um, and nobody's been able to do it since Minnesota. I, could, I couldn't name a single player or the head coach of that team. I could Google it and look it up, but, you know, again, it was almost 100 years ago. Um, and you think of all the dynasties that we've seen. Uh, and you think about the, the Miami teams in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, USC, when they had Pete Carroll, had it going pretty good. Obviously, Nick Saban in Alabama's got it going pretty good now. Georgia is in that dynasty. I think they're in that category. Whether or not they win the national championship, they're in that category this year. Uh, I mean, it just you've just had so many greats come through uh, the college football, but nobody has been able to do it three years in a row. And I just think that would be an incredible accomplishment, especially in a year where you're transitioning quarterbacks. That's going to be tough. That, that's it, it just is. That's the way college football goes now. And – you know, we don't know what kind of waters they're going to have to navigate yet. There, There is, I will say, I don't know if fear is the right word, but 
people have expressed some concern that you know the, the whoever doesn't win the quarterback competition out of uh, Gunnar Stockton, uh, Brock Vandegrift, and Carson Beck, that what if both of the I guess for lack of a better term losers of that conver- conver- uh, competition transfer? You know I. I I don't think that's going to happen, and I would think that's a conversation that's probably already been had because, you know, in this day and age of uncertainty, I mean, you want to be as sure as you can if you're a head coach and just and, and just be honest. That's what I would tell my players. Just be honest. If you come to me and say, hey, coach, I'm if I don't win this competition, I'm out of here. Like, I, I'm going to help you land on your feet somewhere because it's not going to do me any good to him and Hall and try to talk somebody out of that because at the end of the day – if if two guys move on, you've got to be prepared to to deal with that. But I would think that conversation has been held. Like you know, w- what are your plans here if if Carson wins the job? What are your parent plans if Brock wins the job? You know, to, so that you know you got to navigate that first. That that'll come in the spring, and then you know you'll get into the summer and see you know who who you got and who's on your team. Uh, we've talked about the schedule. I think the schedule uh, is going to give Georgia an upper hand in this quest to try to win three in a row because you do start off, I guess easy's the word. I mean, yeah, easy compared to the back half of the schedule. But you can really ease into the season. You've got four home games to start the year. UT Martin to kick it off. Ball State will be your second game. Now, you get to South Carolina. South Carolina ended their season on a high note. Big time. Big time win over Tennessee and beating Clemson, their in-state rival, like that's a team coming into 2023 with some momentum. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be in Athens. That's the good news. You got two weeks to get ready for that, and then you've got a home game against UAB before you hit the road to take on the Auburn Tigers. So I think, you know, you don't have this big like we saw with Clemson uh, two years ago when they opened in Charlotte. You don't have a big game like that on the schedule to start the season with your new quarterback and your new coordinator. So I think that's going to help them as well. And, you know, and then we'll have to see. We'll, we'll have to see where these teams are at. How good is Auburn in their first year with Hugh Freeze? It'll be uh, their fifth game of the year. It'll be in Auburn. That could be a tough one. Kentucky comes back to Athens. What's life at Kentucky like without Will Levis? They've got their coordinator back who went to the NFL for one year, so maybe that'll help them. And then you get a road trip to Nashville, which will be a home game. And then uh, then you're off on the 21st. So then you've got, of course, the game against Florida it just feels like Florida's a mess right now, so you got to feel pretty good about that. You get Missouri and Ole Miss at home, you got to feel pretty good about that. And I think the game a lot of people are going to have circled on the calendar is that game at Tennessee on November the 18th. And then you'll close out the year at Georgia Tech, of course, on November the 25th. So, you know, you, you've got a, what's going to be a really good defense again coming back. Um, I think the new coordinator, Mike Bobo, is going to do a tremendous job. You get your quarterback situation figured out, and you've got a team that's going to be in the national championship talk again and I think they've got a legit shot to to do it three in a row. Um, it's it, as we know, it's not easy. You're going to need some breaks and the balls to bounce your way. There's going to be tough games. Uh, I think the Ohio State game this year would would be that you know where you really felt like there was a chance that they could lose the game. Uh, you you might have a couple of those next year, but if you can get through all that and win three in a row, I think Kirby Smart would go to, to the top spot and be considered the best coach in college football. It's already considered the best program by most in college football, um, but that would be something if if they could do it three years in a row. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Jonathan Lifite from GoJackets.com will be our guest. We'll talk some Georgia Tech with him, get his thoughts on the firing of Josh Pastner. That and more as we continue on the, mid, on the Bill Shank Show 
Almost had a fine on the Bill Shank Show right after this. Forty-four after the hour. Jonathan Lifeite from GoJackets.com going to be joining us here in just a few moments. Uh, the big news today: uh, Josh Pashner out as the head coach at Georgia Tech. Jonathan Lifeite on the line now with GoJackets.com. Good afternoon, Jonathan. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing well and always appreciate the time. Just uh, uh, the news came out oh, about an hour and a half ago that uh, Jay Bat has made the announcement that the uh, Yellow Jackets will be moving on from Josh Pastner. Just your thoughts on his tenure at Georgia Tech and, and, and kind of the, the state of the program, I guess, if you will, as they search for a new men's basketball coach. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of interesting. When Pastor was hired, he came in with a reputation of being, you know, a really you know, kind of a whiz bang recruiter, and you know, got you know, bring in lots of good talent. And then the question was around his coaching because what he, you know, kind of what he did at Memphis. And then it's really funny that at Georgia Tech, it's gone completely the opposite of that. That by the end of his tenure, um, the questions are around his recruiting, but everybody agrees that he's a really good coach. Um, you know, and you, you can see kind of that in his schemes, and and I have to uh, agree with that. And you know, that's that's kind of a, the interesting kind of uh, I guess turn as things have gone. Um, you know, he had some some high points uh, that run to the uh, um, to the ACC tournament. You know, two years ago was was you know fantastic and fun to watch. Um, you know, when they made the uh, the NIT finals, um, I think that was in his first or second year. Uh, you know, that was another high point. Um, you know, there, there's, it, it's, it, it, the good news is, is that the program is not in a, like, cellar-dweller state. Um, there's some good, you know, there's some, there's some good pieces to start with, and it's, uh, you know, they haven't performed like, like you would expect, you know, but, 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 but like I said, it's not like they've had, you know, really, really horrible, horrible, horrible seasons. Now, in January of this year, it looked like they were on, on track for one, but uh, they recovered nicely in February and March and had a nice finish to the season. So it still put them kind of, you know, not quite 500, but, uh, you know, kind of approaching that. So programs in an, is in a, in a, a not a, a perfect state by any stretch, um, but it's also not like a complete gut job and rebuild to start over with for whomever comes in after him. And, and and kind of on that note, whoever the next guy is, how I mean, they've got the what did they? I think they call it the tech way, the new collective there. How much is that going to help? Um, it's going to help a lot because, uh, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, I I, I kind of talked a little bit about you know Pastor not being doing a good job of recruiting. Some of that was that that George Tech has been a little slow in terms of the basketball program and getting things going on the NIL front. Um, they lost. Uh, I can I can name off uh, some players that went to Clemson, uh, one that went to Miami, another one that went to Ohio State. All of whom would have easily come to Georgia Tech um, had they had you know just even any some kind of a better NIL program. Um, we recently had an interview on Go Jackets that we did um, with um, with uh, Jason uh, Belzer, who is the the uh, CEO of StudentAthleteNIL.com. And he's the, basically the, the kind of the, the, the person behind the scenes that's running the new collective, the Techway NIL. Um, and he believes that Georgia Tech's on its way. Um, they currently have now signed, I think, uh, three players on the, t- on the current team. And the expectation by him was that, that they would have NIL deals in place 
of some sort for the whole team probably by the end of the summer. So it's not an optimal state from an NIL perspective, but it is improving. Um, there's still lots of work to be done you know, by the Georgia Tech community to get kind of caught up on some of that. But it is, it is a, a better situation than it was you know, even three months ago. Jonathan Leifite of GoJackets.com joining us here. Uh, I know this is still kind of fresh news, but who do you think some of the candidates might be to, to replace Josh Bassner? Well, we've already kind of uh, begun looking at some of that. Um, I, I mean, there's a few that are kind of uh, kind of no-brainers um, when you look at, at that. One of them is Pat Kelsey down at College of Charleston. He was at Winthrop previously, just done a, an amazing job everywhere he's been. Um, and then you've got, you know, you start looking around uh, folks that are closer to home. Well, let's look at, uh, you know, Shmi, uh, Amir um, Abdur Rahim, uh, who's up at Kennesaw State right now. Um, he, you know, he, he might be a little too green still, but he's a, a guy that, you know, has certainly done a good job there. He's taken a program that's never finished above 500 and gotten into the NCAA tournament. Another name might be to go back to uh, uh, Ron Hunter, who was at Georgia State and did a really good job there. Um, th- those are three kind of guys. Um, you can also look over maybe even at UAB, um, uh, Kennedy that's there. He was previously, previously at Ole Miss. He, he's done a good job there. So there's a number of guys that are out there, and then I'm sure that there's guys that are flying under the radar uh, that we have you know, no idea uh, you know, that Matt may be talking to. Um, I would say that, that I expect this to be you know, somewhat of a, uh, of a short search, but we'll see how it goes. Jonathan Lifi joining us here on the program. All right, Jonathan, turning the, uh, to, to baseball, uh, off to a good start so far. The Jackets are 11-2. and two. You've got Notre Dame coming to town this weekend. Uh, and I know in the series last week against Georgia, they had some guys banged up. Uh, do you know if any, they'll be getting any of those guys back for the Notre Dame series? Uh, uh, it's kind of – I think some of them are still kind of day-to-day. I think Compton will be back, so he'll be one. Um, but they're, they're two of their, um, their starting pitchers have kind of been uh, – it's been kind of going back and forth on them. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, what the, what the plan is for them and who we'll see this weekend. Um, I just haven't had a chance to kind of check in on – on that particular piece, but um, if they can get their st- the the two starters back um, and kind of get that that rotation solidified a bit, um, I think they'll be in good shape. If they continue to struggle with nagging injuries on the, on the staff, um, the starting pitching is probably where they're the thinnest, which is you know typically the case for for a Georgia Tech team. Um, it, so that'll be that'll be kind of the indicator to watch is is are the starters healthy. Yeah, well, we know the offense can deliver, so if they can get some starting pitching to back it up, uh, yeah. I think it could be a really good season. Uh, and, you know, that's the story every year. So. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, I know uh, spring practice is right around the corner. And is there, you know, compared to the last two or three years, can can you sense a little bit of excitement with spring practice kind of coming around the corner? Well, you know, I, I think everybody's, uh, you know, it, it's 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 going to be new. It's going to be something different. So, yeah, the folks are kind of eager to see what's going going to happen. Um, you know, the interesting thing is is that we just got the schedule and whatnot, and uh, outside of the first practice, they're all going to be closed to the media. So we won't know anything about kind of what what they're doing, how it looks, or at all until the spring game on uh, April fifteenth. Um, we'll get some interviews with coaches and whatnot. And we'll have those for for everyone, but. Um, it's really gonna uh, it's really gonna be up up in the air, but you know, getting kind of a, a, a fresh start. Um, you know, uh, Brent Keith saying all the right things. I, I think he's you know from a from a 
you know, program direction, toughness, physicality are the things that he wants to emphasize. And I think those were things that were lacking and, you know, just fundamentals. And so I think those are the, those are going to be the kind of the, the key points that plus, you know, offense installation heading into spring and, and then, uh, you know, they'll go forward. And obviously quarterback uh, is something that's going to be talked about a lot. Haynes King transferring in from Texas A&M. But uh, everything I've heard, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like this is going to be a competition. Uh, it will. And uh, um, surprisingly, you know, Pyron uh, injured his knee, but uh, we're being told that he's expecting to take part in the drills in the, in the spring. Uh, now, that, that being said, they may very well have the uh, – you know the the red the the proverbial injury uh, jersey on him, the green jersey or whatever that says don't touch him, but he's ex- they're expecting him to uh, to participate. So um, he'll be part of you know Buster Faulkner's offense that they install. Well, looking forward to it. I know uh, some fans are really excited about Brent Key taking over this program and excited to see what they can do in 2023. Hey, Jonathan, we always appreciate the time. Hope you have a great weekend. You too. Talk to you soon. All right, we'll do it uh, again, Jonathan. Life fight. From GoJackets.com and and the big news uh, for those of you that may just be tuning in, Josh Pastner is gone after seven seasons. He came pretty quick, and it sounds like the search is going to go pretty quick. So I think Jay Bat maybe had someone in mind uh, that he wanted to come in and take the reins of this program. And you know, the the I was talking to Jonathan about the collective, and that's such a big part of this now. And and it was just a resource the Yellow Jackets did not have in the last two recruiting cycles. And I mean, you it's. You know, love it or hate it, <laughs> it's it's the way it is right now. And and you can see sort of the financial impact uh, that Jay Bat has had as the athletic director since taking over. And, you know, that's his background was in finances. Um, so just it, it looks like the, the institution, if you will, the institute has made the right decision with the athletic director. And now you have to get those things in place. And like Jonathan was saying, the collective – you know, if when you compare it to other collectives, may not be very impressive, but something is always better than nothing in this case. And so, you know, whoever the next guy is, hopefully that's going to help them uh, get some players that they need. And and here, like we say all the time in basketball, it, it doesn't take as many guys. Uh, it just doesn't. You know, you get two or three of the right guys in at the same time, and you can turn a program around pretty quickly with the transfer portal now. So. Whoever that new coach is, uh, hopefully will uh, have the resources available to hit the ground running. And and maybe this time a year from now, we can talk about Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Kennesaw State being in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? We'll see. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Mm-hmm.